so long to go live. There we go. We're live. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. Uh, the world's coming to an end. Financial services are no longer available. Your cash probably won't be in the banks tomorrow. And I wanted to track down a real live American white male banker who's responsible for the problem. That's what I'm doing. I'm muckcracking. I'm going to hold the people responsible. The wealthy individuals living out there in Mexico with readily... With premier access to drugs that we can't take in the United States and bankrupting our entire fabric of our society by uh, creating mortgage-backed securities and other financial scams. So, Johnny, it's a pleasure to have you on. And what do you have to say for yourself? Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I I thought um, there was like a Jewish guy sitting next to me or something for this, but... No, that's not going to work on us anymore. We live in a new world where uh, it's actually Indian lesbians that are starting to be responsible for these things. Yeah, well, at least it, you know, it's a first. We get the first uh, Indian lesbian. Uh, all, all the firsts seem to be doing really well in their roles. I think it's. I think it's most important. It's not how you do it, your job. It's just that you were the first in your category to do it. So, you know, even if you fuck up royally, uh, at least you broke the barricade for people like you to go do that position, and then the next one might be good at it. Yeah, set the bar low. Yeah, and and you you just like. Your role was in breaking the race barrier. It's almost like if, um, if uh, Jesus Christ, am I bad with names? Some sometimes. Who was the first black baseball player? Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> We're both retarded. No, let's just call it an episode. Let's just admit that we probably shouldn't be talking about financial stuff if we can't even come up with basic names. Um, Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson. Um, all right. He was at least good. Yeah, that's you know, what I'm you saying. Have can you to imagine? Be good to be the first one. Yeah, now it's your. You can be the first just because you're the race, color, sexual orientation. You don't. It's amazing how when things go to shit, all of a sudden, well, I was a woke lesbian. No one cares anymore. They're like, "Can I have my money back?" Like that sounded like a good idea. It sounded like like the pitch was never supposed to be. Uh, hey, listen, I'm terrible at the job, but at least I'll check these boxes for you. It was supposed to be everyone can do the jobs, and so we need to start giving other people a chance. But then when you start giving the other people a chance and they royally fuck up, it's not really making a good case for yeah. including the people into the club. Yeah, no, only hurting their cause if your cause is to promote like hiring all these uh, first-time minorities to all these positions. They're not doing themselves any favors. Yeah, now it gets confusing because you're like, am I supposed to be trusting a Jew with my money or not? I'm not sure. Like, you know, I'm a big fan. of Stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. <laughs> I, I'm hiring a, a Jew to handle my money. Uh, <laughs> probably to, if I need a lawyer, absolutely. Uh, if I'm hiring somebody to do math, like they're going to be Asian. Or I get that. I love how most people shy away from racism in any capacity. Uh, but on this program, we're like, nope, those stereotypes are there for a reason. So, yeah, well, good good luck starting a stereotype that's false. You know, <laughs> like go around trying to convince people that, uh, you know, uh, black dudes are terrible at basketball and have really small dicks. There you go. That, that, that'll there, go over there, real there well. There must be some Mark analytics that are backing <laughs> these things up. Otherwise, they wouldn't be out there in the ether. Uh, all right. First, uh, before we get into it, where, where are you living these days? You still out of Mexico? Are we doing another stay Alita? What's going on with that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, somebody told me I wasn't a real libertarian, so I've, I've gone back to my roots. I've uh, packed up everything that I own and I'm living in my parents' basement as we speak. Hell yeah, dude. (laughs) 
And are you working on becoming more autistic also? Are you uh, <laughs> dropping a little bit of the charm, dressing worse, and not you know engaging with women? Because that's really the pathway to becoming more of a libertarian. Yeah, yeah, that's going to take some time, I think. It was, you have, it was, do you have the whole basement yourself? Because that seems like a good enough basement setup that, like, fuck it, just live there. Um, you know, it's just it's just me and my parents now. They have this this whole house. Um, but I'm only basement, here for like a few days. But and the yeah. basement's just yours. Uh, well, my dad was down here earlier watching some TV, but yeah, I, I kicked him out. And uh, I'm not. How, how old are you now? I'm 38. So you're 38. You already did the outside of your parents' house, and you didn't end up getting married. So at this point, to go back and just chill there, it kind of just makes sense. <laughs> yeah, they're happy to see me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I was in Mexico until about uh, 10 days ago or so. Kind of a crazy story. I guess. Do we have time to get into it? Yeah. What? What? what is it? People have been listening to Bank Failure talk now for four days. We're we're six days behind the issue. So what does it matter? We don't even need yeah. to get into it. Yeah. Well, so um, my uncle had a condo down there that I was using. Um, did Did you get to see it when you were around, or? No, you you didn't let me anywhere near any okay. of your stuff. You said That's you're right. Jewish, so I can't bring you in here. You brought <laughs> me to a hotel that had rotten chicken. Made me sick for the first of three days out there. Um, and no, that was that was a great time. I, I I enjoyed. Where were we? What was it called? Sayulita. Yeah, we were in Sayulita, Mexico. The didn't Sayulita have granola bars, and I'm a curmudgeon Jew, so I was just a nervous wreck for the two days. But I had a great time. Yeah, yeah. Next time I'll go to Costco and get you a bunch of granola <laughs> bars. <laughs> Dude, that was the. I wish I had filmed it because I feel like of all the runs I did of my end of year stuff, that was probably the best showing of it. That you crushed it that night, man. Yeah, I, that was I, fun, I, man. That was so fun. Uh, but yeah, so I was staying at my uncle's place down there. But my uncle and aunt like to use it. Um, after Christmas, they stay there for like three or four months. So I was looking for another place to stay. And it's a really nice, this is a nice like three condo, a three building complex, like very high end with security and everything. And I, I knew these people that had one of the penthouse units. They've been renting it for five years and they weren't using it. So they let me stay up there. And I am just, I am fucking killing it at this point. Like I have a pen, like a multi-million dollar penthouse unit. Uh, right on the beach in in PV for you know high season, a lot of a lot of uh, people coming for vacation. You know I'm having a blast just you know doing the podcast, working for for myself. I do some trading and and stuff like that. And uh, oh, one day you, you're your own boss now. Yeah, because for a while you were running the scam of the fake mouse thing to move around on the computer. I was, board, yeah. Which uh, yeah, they eventually have... figured out that I was in Mexico. It took them two and a half years. And and then they fired you because they're like you're. Oh, I wanted to get fired to uh, hopefully collect some unemployment, but no, they basically forced me to quit because they were gonna make me go into the office every day. And you just said, "Well, then that's it. I quit." Yeah, pretty much. Well, I didn't even live here anymore. I mean, it'd been two and a half years. Right. They they thought it'd only been like a couple of months. That's kind of another long story. But yeah, so they dragged <laughs> me into the office, right? And uh, I had to have a meeting with uh, my director and like the head of HR who was like being a really fucking big bitch to me, just like you fucking mean, lecturing me about all this. And then oh, I kind of pretended like a, it was like a, how dare you yeah. uh, collect a check and not even be in America type thing. Right. Yeah. And you know, just using their equipment overseas, they were very concerned about that. It was all right. just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, and then uh, I, I basically, this is kind of funny though, because 
I was thinking about how I could try to get out of this. And I, I basically hinted at the fact that I was gay and transitioning when they asked me why I did it. And that completely <laughs> changed the whole dynamic of the conversation. It was, dude, I wish I could have filmed that. Oh, it that's was a so goddamn job. funny. That's so great. You're like, well, I was growing out my hair and uh, the healthcare for people exploring new lifestyles is a little cheaper down there. And I thought and being it's away very from my gay family. is like the gayest place in Mexico, man. It's uh, right. It was very gay friendly. It was, so it's very friendly in my community. And I, you know, I just didn't really feel comfortable talking about it. I haven't even told my friends or family yet. I just kind of said stuff like that. And yeah, they got you it. Like HR to HR. Yeah. Because they're oh, there with cool. stupid nonsense and bullshit. So the only way to really combat that is with your own stupid nonsense and bullshit. Yeah. I just didn't want to get fucking. Yeah, I was like getting yelled at. And I'm just like, all right, here we go. Well, right. Let's see if this works. And then all it's of a so sudden I got into that protected class. Nice. It's so funny as an adult when you actually find yourself in situations when you're being yelled at. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just find it funny at this point because it's, it's few and far between. And uh, usually when it happens to me, I just kind of I just bite back like. Uh, but anyways. I always just find it funny when you actually end up in adult situations where people are yelling at you. Yeah, I, I you feel like a fucking kid again, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're I'm like, yeah, very, this is what I'm well used to. It. This is like, it's funny when you're back there because I'm like, right, this is what my life is supposed to be. Like, I'm used to getting set. Not that I was that bad of a kid, but like, I've just I remember getting in trouble enough times that I'm used to I'm used to being pulled down to the principal's office. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty uncomfortable. I don't know. And I also still feel like a kid. Like, yeah, I'm 38, right. but I still feel like I'm in my 20s or something. I guess I'm I'm immature. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so anyway, uh, they found out. So I ended up quitting that job and I've just been working for myself for the last uh, three, four months. Hell yeah. And what, kind of, what kind of trading? Um, I'm trading E-mini S&P futures for the most part. What does that even um, mean? I, that that's just, yeah. I don't even know what that means. It, it's just like uh, S and P five hundred futures contracts. Okay. Uh, I, I'm like a minute, uh, one minute, five minute, ten minute chart kind of thing. I also do some stuff with currencies, um, but the, yeah. The, so the job that I quit, I was basically managing a uh, fixed income portfolio, which is kind of the stuff that we'll we'll get into here in, in a in a minute. Um, but yeah, so I was killing it up in this penthouse until about uh, two Mondays ago middle of the afternoon six guys just fucking bust into the place and uh they basically held me there for about five hours and they changed the locks and they stole this lady's car and her computer and uh i i thought i was a goner for a while at least the first hour that, that they were there um they were kind of threatening me or whatever and they knew everything about me so somebody like told them gave them my it's name like car and cartel people I, I don't know. I think right. so. I'm not yeah, sure. Like you, don't, you, don't pull, you don't pull crime like that unless you got uh, in with the cartel, I would think. Yeah, you would think so because it was so fucking brazen. You know, they're right. on camera everywhere and they were just like, they just didn't give a shit. And so it was like they were taking the place back for the owner. And I guess the owner was like, we're in some dispute with the people I know that were renting it. But as far as they tell me, there was nothing, you know, there was right. no problem or anything. So I still don't even know why he did it. Um, but yeah, like so these fucking six dudes were like, they took my fucking picture and they basically threatened me. If I were to cause any problems, uh, they would come after me. And so you decided, you know what? Maybe I don't like Mexico that much. I still really like it, man. But yeah, I was supposed to leave in like a week anyway. And, right. uh, 
so I didn't even tell I didn't even tell these people that they, these guys busted it because they're like, dude, if you fucking tell her, we're gonna know, and we're gonna like. And they knew where I lived because they knew somebody told them that my uncle had a, a place in the building. So I was like, all right, yeah, dude, like I don't even know these people that well. I don't want to be involved in this. I'm staying out of it. Like this is between you guys. So this lady doesn't know that she's had her car stolen. She does now. So like a couple days went by, and then she checked. She had a ring doorbell. Which they said they disabled. Like, uh, hey Johnny, uh, was my car stolen and were you threatened <laughs> recently? Pretty uh, much. Like, so I'm looking should... at the security footage and it looks like maybe you were brutally raped in the living room and they took my car. I'm wondering if maybe you just forgot to mention that. <laughs> yeah, that's it, uh, kind of how the conversation went. Cause I tried <laughs> to play it off like, oh, I wasn't up there. Like I left, you know, because right. my uncle left, and so I could go back down to that other unit anytime right. I wanted to. I was just having so much fun up at the penthouse. I figured, right. what the hell? And uh, and so yeah, she's like, I wake up like Friday morning at like six a.m. I have nine missed calls and all these like text messages. Like we have an emergency. Like are you like what's going on? Because the building wouldn't tell. Like all the administration, nobody would talk to her. They just said we're under orders not to talk like ask john he knows what happened and i was like i don't want to fucking <laughs> like i don't know what happened either pretended not to be there but yeah she's like well i see them on the ring like the ring footage caught them like coming up and putting tape over the thing and apparently they were still up in the unit but she's like yeah security told me my car was gone and there's somebody else in the unit and i was like yeah they like stormed in and fucking held me there one dude had a knife uh so yeah i was like I think it's once she found out and they and so she's calling the owner and I think the owner might have been one of the guys that was with them because there was like a, an older guy there. Right. But once once they knew that she knew and I was I was like, all right, I think I better get out of here. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. so I uh, I kept, caught the you know, first now, flight out that afternoon. Now you're back in your parents basement for the time being. Yeah, I'm supposed to go elsewhere in Mexico and house sit on the other side of Mexico in the Yucatan next month. I haven't, I'm still on the fence about that. I, I'm still trying to figure out who we're dealing with here. So this lady's hired like lawyers and investigators and she's suing everybody and good luck with that. And she's like trying to get me to file fucking police reports. And I'm like, like, I'm, I'm not being a witness. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm just no, I'm no. staying out of this. Just save, like, uh, shave the, uh, the beard, shave the, maybe actually go through with what you told your last company. You can kill two birds <laughs> with one stones. You, you God pretend, like it, you're, pretend like yeah. you're a lady now and then you can hit up your company and say that oh, they owe dude, you uh they threatened you out of your job that's that way you can say is that you're owed severance because you didn't feel comfortable sticking around <laughs> they didn't they weren't embracing your new lifestyle decisions oh man dude these lies always come around to fucking get you man that's like a karma thing i remember before they actually found out i was in mexico i lied to like this other girl that i was seeing here that like or in mexico that was like kind of crazy and uh i told her i got i had to like stay in chicago for work <laughs> oh so you were you're pulling some real george costanza shit you're living in the penthouse yeah. you're telling your girlfriend in mexico that you're actually in chicago you're telling your office that you're down in uh you're actually in chicago that's pretty great and then both of those lot so yeah that like right after i i said like oh yeah i can't i'm not gonna be back in mexico for a while this was that was back last year um th then they found out and so that lie kind of fucking came back to get me. And then, yeah, the transitioning thing, I might have to do that because the cartel could have a hit out on me. So. <laughs> All right. So uh, you mentioned that you're trading currencies now. Before we even get into these uh, recent bank collapses, uh, you got any outlook on what's going on with BRICS? Saudi Arabia is actually mending 
their ties with Iran. You got China's going over there. You got the possibility of oil contracts actually being sold in uh, uh, yuan or yen. I don't know what the fuck, how it's pronounced. But uh, do you actually see like a movement away from the dollar or it's all just nonsense talk? Uh, no, I, I think there is a concerted effort to get to move away from the dollar. And uh, that is, you know, with what's happening now with all the inflation um, and the value lose uh, the dollar losing all its value, it's going to make that that move that much easier for everybody else to get off of this, because one of the only reasons why we're uh, we're able to get away with our reserve currency status is the fact that, yeah, like we've kind of always done it this way after we got off the, the gold standard, you know, the dollar was supposed to be as good as gold. We'll just use the dollar. And we have this huge military um, to sort of freak people out. But if the dollar just completely collapses, it's just, it's going to be an obvious move for them to, to sort of move away from it. So the big arguments away from anyone being able to move from away from the dollar, I would say it's two. It's one, it's king shit. And so even though it's it's shitty, it's king shit and nothing else comes close. That's that's argument one. Argument two is that there's just so much debt um, priced in dollars that there's like still just a massive amount of built in demand for dollars that it's just not that easy to move away. So it's one. There's no good alternative option. There's nothing safer. And two, there's a lot of built in demand. Uh, Where do you what do you think the move will be? Do you think there's a new gold backed currency like, who do you think steps in with a better option that people actually move away from dollars? Yeah, yeah, that is a good point because everybody's on the same bullshit fiat system. Right. Um, I, I don't see, I mean, the right thing to do would be to move to sort some sort of uh, gold-backed currency, in my opinion, which is why that's never going to happen. <laughs> like, right. they're never going to do the, the right thing. Um, if, you know... I, I think the ultimate game is this uh, central bank digital currency. I, I think that's what they're really trying to angle for. So if if they do make a huge switch like that, my guess is that we'll be involved in it and we'll push for some sort of uh, cent- like global central bank kind of thing, digital currency. Um, if it, so if it'll it, be like an IMF, World Bank, basically digital currency – and all of our dial- dollars will be redeemed at a haircut, swapped for this new digital currency, something like that. I would, yeah, yeah. If I had to guess, that's because uh, we're still going to be at the table. <laughs> you know, we are the right. we are the U.S. So like, they're not going to be able to completely just uh, cut us out of anything. Um, and I think that you know our government would be on board with that as well. Um, they they want just as much control uh, as, uh, of the citizenry as as China does uh, of their people and everything so like that. So you think they, that 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 central back digital currency would actually be a one world currency that would include a China and a Russia, or we would end up like in more of a multi like a bipolar world where you got like basically us, Europe, South America, Canada, and then you've got like maybe Turkey, Iran, India, China, Russia, like on an alternate. Yeah, I, I don't think we. It, I don't think um, there would ever be that sort of unity throughout okay. throughout the world. I mean, we always need some boogeyman to to bl- to right. go after and, and blame you know blame problems on. So, yeah, it would be it would be sort of fragmented. All right, so a move to a central back a central, uh, especially a new global currency. Uh, to me, the precursor to that would actually be a massive financial collapse 
in the current system to the point that they could not print, basically print our way out of it. And so they needed to create a new system to basically redo everything that they've done with the Fed. And maybe that would go for another hundred years before that the chickens came home to roost on that. So if you think that it's going in that direction, two part question. One is what do you think is the timetable? And it's probably a good lead in to uh, what's currently happening in the banking apparatus. If you actually think that this is the start of that. Yeah. Timetable is tough. Um, I do think that this incident that we're, we're, you know, that sparked this whole thing with the Silicon Valley Bank and everything um, is the beginning of a, of a pretty big financial collapse. Um, in terms of them being able to take that and get us to a central bank digital currency, that's going to take some time, I think. Um, I, you know, I would even say it would be in this decade. All right. Um, yeah, so I, I think that, I mean they have to do a tremendous amount of uh, propaganda. I think to get to get the old uh, changing of the guard in you know in line with that. I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of very powerful, rich people that that benefit from the current system. Uh, so yeah, it would have to be like a, a really really big collapse that you know we're talking like Weimar Republic Germany uh, sort of hyperinflation to get people on board that. And I don't know if we're there yet uh, anytime soon, but for sure they're, I mean, they only have two choices at this point, as far as the, the federal reserve is, is concerned. They can either um, save the dollar or they can save this, you know, phony economy that they've been propping up for the last right. 20 like, plus years. They seem to have figured out a new way to distort the single, the signals so that they could kind of do both at the same time. Um, and so before I explain that, let's get into what actually has collapsed at these banks. So let's start with we've had two bank collapses this week. The first one was uh, SVB, and then the other one is Sil uh, Silver Bank, right? Was that the name of the, uh, the one? Silver Gate was the um, – What's the one that in was New York the... that just collapsed today? Yeah. No, the, uh... Where they took it offline on Monday. Yeah. No, Silver Gate I think was the – that was the central uh, – the uh, cryptocurrency – one that I thought, that I collapsed week before. I don't know why I would have wrote that down. That wasn't the name of it. It was an easy Google search. Um. Oh, I think someone in the notes. I mean, in the comments, just said signature. Maybe signature. Signature. Bank. Yeah, it is signature. Okay. Yeah. So Silvergate Bank was the uh, cryptocurrency thing right. that collapsed uh, the week before. Okay. So we'll get into signature second because that seems to me right away when the SVB bank got taken out. I was on a phone call with a friend. I was like, I'm going to guess that they're going to just bail people out and say that it's a problem with regulation. This is because of crypto, and this is going to become their excuse to you know, start clamping down on crypto in general. And what they did to um, uh, the Signature Bank, right? Uh, oh, someone's saying Robbie fell down a well. Is my sound not great? How do I sound to you? Does my sound You, you sound okay to me, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Robbie's audio is fading out. Yeah, I think I... You know, I do this literally every time I go on the road. I take all my production gear with me, and then I come back, and I have to, like, and I keep saying I'm going to buy more equipment. All right. Anyways, you say I, you, you were saying I sound good to you? Yeah. Mike, check on Robbie. Mike, check, yeah, check, 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 check. You're saying I sound good. Maybe these people in the chat, they're just fucking with me. <laughs> that happens sometimes where, you know, they like to pretend. Oh, no, no, no. I did. <laughs> I see what happened. I accidentally pressed the minus 20 dB thing, so the fans oh, okay. were accurate on this one. 
Johnny was trying to sabotage the episode saying that I looked good. I mean, I sounded good when I actually didn't sound good. All right, I'm going to have to hold this. Um, Back to what I was trying to say. It seems like that New York bank, what was the New York bank again? Uh, Signature. Signature Signature bank bank was, in fact, a clamp down in regards to crypto. We'll get to that second. Let's start with the problems at SVB. I'll let you go first. You're the financial expert. You work in the industry. And your estimation, what went wrong? Well, obviously, um, it was all because of Donald Trump and deregulation. I mean, if there's anything we've seen in the in the financial industry, it's been just rampant deregulation over the last uh, 25, 30 years. <laughs> right. It always drives me crazy when they when they come up with uh, the one piece of deregulation that happened over the last decade that had nothing to do with the problem. But and yeah. then that's always the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, the 2008, it was like a partial repeal of Glass-Steagall that had nothing to do with anything. It just like separated commercial banks from investment banks. And none of the players like AIG, Lehman, Bear Stearns, none of them like they were either just like an invest, a pure investment bank. Like it just didn't apply. So that's pretty much the standard uh, talking points you'll get from the, the corporate press and the government and everything. But basically what happened at SVB is they so they catered to the you know silicon valley all these big tech startups and these uh venture capitalist guys and so they had these huge accounts um they had i forget the exact numbers but it's like hundreds of billions of dollars in deposits and like 95 percent of it was over the the 250,000 fdic limit and uh basically their balance sheet was full of all of the the things that uh, ironically, the regulation from Dodd Frank that we got that came from the uh, 2008 financial crisis, a lot of that um, regulation um, forces these these banks to hold a certain amount of government debt, treasury bonds, treasury bills, and things like that. And so, because the the Federal Reserve had interest rates at zero for the last uh, you know 12 years or whatever it's been, they they loaded up on all this long term. Um, government debt, treasury bonds and mortgage backed securities. And they were getting like, you know, no yield on these things. And as the as the Fed starts raising interest rates, the value of all of those bonds plummets because there's there's basically an inverse relationship for, you know, I don't know if your listeners uh, Abla finance or anything like that. But as interest rates go up on a bond, the price goes down. Uh, I can I can I can give a very simple explanation on that. Because sure. it's it's actually very simple. If you got a bond, let's just say you're holding it for 100 years. I mean, you, no one's buying a bond for 100 years. But let's just say you're buying a bond for 100 years. Coupon rate's 2%. So it's paying you, let's say you put down $1,000. So what, you're getting 20 bucks a year? $200 a year? 200 I said I was going to make it simple, and then I fucked it up. Anyway, so you got 2%, right? You're getting 2%. Oh, so every year you're making $200. Now, if interest rates, let's keep things simple. Let's get interest rates go from 2% to 4%. So now anyone who's buying a bond today, they're going to get make $400 a year and you're only making $200 a year. So if that yeah. guy's now how, holds his bond, so it's like every single year that you have a bond that's paying less interest rate than the current bond, right. that's actually what your value, the value of your bond just went down that amount. Yeah. So like if you look at it the other way, it's like if someone else has a bond that's going to pay them $200 more a year for the next 100 years. You could then do a financial equation to see what the compounding value, the time value money of that would be worth. And that's how much money you just lost 
by holding your bond. Right. Yeah. So they they basically uh, these low interest rates, they these banks lock in all this really low yielding paper. So like their interest rates were probably under two percent on a lot of these uh, a lot of these um, treasury bills and treasury bonds that they're holding. And rates are now at like four or five percent. Now, it seems to me like it would be incredibly stupid to be buying long term bonds in a low interest rate environment. Yeah, well, see. It depends on your outlook. If you think that the the Federal Reserve is never going to raise interest rates, you know we're going to have right. really low interest rates for a long time. Then you can get a slightly higher rate if you lock up your money for a longer period of time. Right. So I think I think they were kind of betting on the fact that the, the I, to be in a two percent interest rate environment and think that. Over the next 30 years, it's not going up. You're basically betting on negative interest rates. You're betting that they are going to just go like J Japan and just never allow interest rates to go up. That yeah. That's really the bet well, that you're making. Yeah. Or or they, I guess maybe they weren't expecting rates to go up so fast. I mean, even though I don't think this is very fast, you know, we're doing like 50 basis points, 75 basis points every you know, a couple of months or whatever. But they got kind well, of. I mean, caught. if you look at a historical perspective, how many years has the United States, prior to two thousand and eight, been at a two percent interest rate? Oh, zero, probably. Uh, yeah, almost never. Yeah, it was like yeah. you know five six percent. I think is historically, kind of the the average. So, but yeah, I don't think they had enough time to sort of unwind this balance sheet that was full of all this really low yielding uh, uh, bonds and and mortgage backed securities, and so the. They, they had all these um, unrealized losses on their books because, you know, when the when you mark your your the value of your portfolio, for a lack of a better term, they're, they're looking at it's like, all right, well, this bond, it, you know, was worth X number of dollars. And now that the price has, has gone down 20 percent because the, the rates have gone up, you only have this much value. And so they were they were very, very undercapitalized. All right. And so. In order to fix that, they, they did a couple of things. They tried to sell a bunch of stock, and then they tried to sell all of these securities that they weren't going to hold to maturity to try to basically swap them out for some of the higher interest rate um, securities that uh, had, had, a better, had better value to them. And that really uh, freaked freaked the market out. As soon as they found out that they needed to raise, uh, you know, billions of dollars in in capital to to meet requirements, the the market got kind of scared. And, and then you add to that, you're diluting the their their stock by issuing more uh, more shares. That really put a put a panic on there. So the stock starts falling. And if you go back to the whole their their whole customer base which is all these you know tech startups and and VC guys that bubble burst like last year right so all of these companies they're having trouble getting funding i mean they were they were on a gravy train with biscuit wheels for the last 15 years or so you know like free you know cheap money they're they're starting all these fucking companies that just loot they do nothing but burn hundreds of millions of dollars every year and uh they've been having these huge cash burns and now all of a sudden rates are getting you know uh steeper the economy is kind of shaky their bubbles popping so it's harder for them to raise cash and so they're pulling out more and more money from from these accounts and the other thing that really low rates do is 
you know, people want to get a return on the on their deposits as well. And none of these banks are, are paying anybody anywhere near what the Fed funds rate is even because they can't afford it. They can't afford to pay anything close to four or five percent on these things. So you're probably not even getting like one percent on on your uh, on your deposits at whatever bank you're at. And uh, and so that forces people as well to pull money out and do something else with it because you're getting crushed by inflation and you want to put that money to work for you. And so, yeah, they're they got people pulling money out of the bank. Um, they're undercapitalized. It leads to this whole um, liquidity crisis, you know, because they don't have enough cash on hand to actually make good on all these these depositors pulling money out. And then you have this interesting kind of concerted effort from silicon valley and i wonder how much they how much thought they really put into this because if they were to make it seem like this was a systemic problem um you have a much better chance of getting a bailout you know the first bank to go down like always gets always gets the bailout and it's like the third after like they do it a couple times like oh we're not going to keep doing this so um you know well this actually this seems a little bit the opposite, where uh, sometimes you can be first to fail and then they fix the problem. So in this case, the way that all right, I, I got a little too much ADD, but I, I'll address this point now. I'm jumping thoughts in my head. The reason the the latter people are actually better off now is that the Fed realized, oh, we have a problem across the entire financial sector that people have assets that are now basically not the proper term, but let's call them underwater because interest rates have gone up. So this even happened with like that pension fund um, in uh, the UK last year was they had this weird derivative product that was um, paying out based on the fact, I, I don't even remember the way the derivative product worked, but if interest rates went up, they had like some ultra leverage thing that basically went belly up. So the government just bought them out on it. Same thing's going on here. All of these banks, they're holding on to your mortgages, they're holding on to uh, um, bonds, and they all are going to have this problem that as the interest rate goes up, all of those assets they have on their books are actually not worth as much. They got to mark them down. And then that means that there's a, a lot of collateral and liquidity coming out of the system. So the Fed, their fix on this one was basically, we'll lend you the money. You know, like I think the Fed has made it that you don't have to mark down those assets, and they'll actually lend you the money against it at like the full cost, at, at face so value. That you, yeah. yeah, so you don't have to actually sell the assets. So the Fed has realized, oh, we actually have a problem across the entire financial sector, and and this is like the way that the liquidity problems happen. So you were talking about the um the collateral uh, the the collateralized backed mortgages. So I guess that has the exact same issue is that you're allowed to hold on to mortgages the same as you can like treasuries in terms of um, that that's treated the same as cash. If you're a bank and you're holding on to those items, that's considered the yeah, same as cash, cash on right. right on 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 your uh, on your balance sheet. But you got the same exact problem. If your primary business is that you're you're basically packaging together loans, but you've been packaging together the loans that you're making at two and three percent interest rates, and now all of a sudden the interest rates are at seven or eight percent, you're gonna have the exact same problem with. I, in my head, I'm I'm curious as with the bond because now your coupon payments on your the uh, of all these mortgages are below the current market, so those are yeah. actually now at a loss. Yeah. Um yeah, so, maybe, I, maybe so, not a loss, but yeah, you're getting a much uh, much lower cash flow 
uh, right. from holding those things. Right. You so could. It, yeah, there's so a it's at a loss. Option. Yeah, versus um, making a new mortgage today. So the problem for the Fed, or where the systemic risk comes across the entire system, is that if every single bank all has to mark down these assets and all this collateral is coming out of the system, like with the way that our banking system works, which each deposit then cascades because you only need like 10% in your bank and then you're able to loan the rest of it out. So as the value of what is in the bank comes down, you can't put as much money into the system. And all of a sudden, just all this fake money, all these asset evaluations that were based on a certain amount of money being in the system that doesn't actually exist in the system, it all starts coming down in value, right? So yeah. that's where the Fed's got to step in and go, oh, we have to correct for this. And so they kind of figured out their solve here, which is we're going to distort the signal by not by letting banks not have to mark down the value of these assets. Yeah, yeah, they don't have to mark them to market anymore. And yeah, they can get a loan from, it sounds like essentially the Federal Reserve. I don't know exactly what the mechanism is going to be for this, but they're going to be able to get a loan from the government at face value, regardless of the value of the bond. So, which is pretty not fair to SVB because now every single other bank, since this one failed first, they're considered failed and they're out. Every other bank that would have been confronting this issue three or six yeah. months from now, now won't, now doesn't even need to. Uh, and so the, the, the only people who are really losing out here is all the SVB customers. They basically said, hey, listen, we're going to get your money back. They did that because they don't want other customers running to the bank and pulling deposits out. And then they told all the other banks, hey, listen, we understand that there's a structural issue here of that you guys have bought these bonds. And this is a nefarious bailout, in my opinion, because me as a private individual, I haven't been getting yield on my money because I don't I don't really know where to put it. I don't want to buy low interest rate long term stuff. And so that's incredibly not fair that you as a bank, you want yield, even though it's bad yield because you're going to lose money off of it when the interest rates go up. Then the Fed just steps in and goes, yeah, we got your back. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the bank definitely uh, made some really bad calls in terms of risk management. I mean, I know that the the standard, you know, theory is that, yeah, a uh, government bond is like as good as, you know, triple A rated is as good as anything. And you should own a ton of these things. But yeah, locking in really low, um, low yielding paper in, in this kind of environment, it, it was just a terrible idea. I don't know why anybody would want to lock up uh, money for that, that amount of time. And uh, yeah, no, that that's a good point. You know, they, they did the bank itself, I got got kind of screwed on this, but the people, you know, these uh, these tech startups and the VC guys and the funds that fund those guys, they're getting the fucking bailout. All these computer geeks and everything that have been crushing it, you know, for the last uh, almost two, de yeah, two decades or so, um, they're the ones that are getting this bailout at the, you know, at the expense of the taxpayer. So it's like, yeah, we're not bailing out Wall Street this time. We're bailing out these huge tech tech firms. All right. So how bad, because you were saying at the start of this conversation, basically the Fed's got a choice. They can either save the dollar, saving the dollar essentially entails that they're going to raise interest rates yep. or they can not crash. Was it not crash the economy? Was the, how was the way yeah. you put it? Yeah. They can, they can save their, their phony economy for a little longer or they can save the dollar. 
And I, I think it's pretty clear what's going to happen in light of this whole situation, which, again, we've been talking about any Austrian economist has been talking about exactly what was going to happen with these low interest rates. Right. Um, it just they've been able to keep this game going a lot longer than than uh, I think most people had anticipated. But. Uh, yeah, so well, I guess they have they have a new game now, which is it seems like they're not going to do the quantitative easing. They're not going to lower the interest rates and they're not going to pump money into the system. Instead, instead of doing any of those things directly, all the assets that would crash and burn, they'll figure out how to just distort the signal so that they can remain basically at their inflated values. It's yeah. like, there's, well, in other words, there should be a lot of money pouring out of the system. There should be a lot of things going underwater and failing and then deflation. They're not going to allow for that. As in, as the interest rates go up, like credit asset bubbles should burst because there isn't as much just free money to pump into things to continue to pump up the prices. Mm -hmm. The Fed can't allow for certain asset prices to come down because it destroys all the liquidity in the system because as one thing gets marked down, then the thing that was built off of that has to come down the house of cards just start yeah there's a lot flowing. of derivatives off of that yeah right let's explain that system a little bit because i kind of understand i don't think i articulate it that well but let's just say bank has bank creates a lot of mortgages they they package them all together they give it a value based on the coupon payment that's supposed to be being made off those mortgages so now off of that deposit of this coupon payment they create derivative products which would be, I don't know, you could explain the derivative products uh, that they make against that. Yeah, the big ones were like uh, CMOs and CDOs, collateralized uh, debt obligations, collateralized mortgage obligations. Where now it's you're basically, basically you're placing bets off of whether or not people are going to actually make these payments. You're not even yeah. buying the payments. You're making a bet on whether or not that cash flow is going to continue going. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a gamble on whether or not insurance is going to have to pay out, essentially. Right. Yeah. Right. And so now to understand what ends up happening. So first is you've got the value of all of these mortgages packaged together, which allows the bank to lend out um, for every dollar I put into a bank. What's the math? It's actually five dollars is created or something. I think it's 10. <laughs> but 10? Don't quote me on. OK, that. so let's go. Let's go with 10. Let's just say it's 10. So for every dollar I put in, they now get 10. But then it's worse than that, because for the dollar I put in. That ten dollars is actually, let's just, I mean, some of it's going into mortgages, and the mortgages come back into the bank. Then I take all the money from the mortgage, I package that together, and not only do I create money by selling, by keeping that on my asset to lend out more money, you also have that people are creating derivative products against that, which are worth ten yeah. times the actual value. It's like having an option on a stock, right? Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of a leverage. lot of yeah. there's a lot of money that is fictional money that people pretend as if like I got all this money and so they go and buy things and they're propping up like prices. But the reality is let's say all those mortgages fail and now I got to mark down the asset of the, these mortgages, which is what happened in the last financial crisis. Or in this case, I have to mark down the asset cause I have to actually sell it cause I need the money. Well then all that money, that fictional money that's on paper just, starts fucking yeah, washing it just out. It evaporates. Yeah. And, it, and that's it, when all the it came into existence, it disappears. And all these prices start coming down. And so the Fed's new way is they can't allow for the signals. It's like a hostage situation that the banks would go out. The rich people would be taken out first. But those are all signals of the fact that there's failures in the system. So the last way they got rid of these signals was by just giving them money. Right. 
They just give, they literally just gave him money. Now the new way seems to be, oh, you just don't have to mark it down. It's just a new way of cheating the, the system. Yeah. Well, they the the Fed did buy a lot of the the toxic assets from a lot of the banks at uh, full price. Off, uh, I don't know if it was at full price, but it was certainly above market. <laughs> like right. They paid a lot more than they would have been able to sell it to to some other bank or something like that. So the Fed has a ton of these dog shit mortgage backed securities on on their books still from the two thousand eight thing. So I do uh, have a question for you. Why was this bank even engaging in um, buying the long-term government bonds when some of the bigger banks, it would appear to me, were just using the reverse repo market, which is, it seems like the Fed kind of understood. We went from the banks did not have enough money on hand that the government was basically just lending them money through the repo market so that they could have enough to meet their capital requirements on just any given night, right? Then it went the other way where they pumped so much money into the system, the banks didn't know what to do with it. So they were just parking it at the Fed with the reverse repos and making, I don't even remember what the interest rate was, but it seemed to be like above what the treasury was paying. So why were these suckers buying up long-term treasury if they could have just been parking at the Fed, collecting the free money and not having this issue? Uh, I don't, don't I don't know the okay, answer. Fair enough. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, it seems like they, they had other options. Um, and they were chasing a yield. You know, I don't even know what kind of uh, difference they were getting on this, but maybe, you know, maybe 50 basis points more uh, on some of these deposits by by getting the the longer term uh, treasury debt. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It just seems like uh, maybe they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. It's also just so stupid because you should be able to forecast. riskier investments at better yields, your treasuries at these yields how often people are actually taking out money and then getting people to basically put it into CDs so that you can forecast how long you have their money for. Shouldn't, shouldn't be rocket science. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think the cash burn in uh, Silicon Valley was bigger really has fucking. been bigger than most people right. have, have anticipated. And then I think they were probably, maybe they were thinking that Paul was going to cave on raising interest rates uh, before he actually did. I think he'll cave now. I think we're going to see right. a big pivot coming and they'll probably start, um, you know, they'll pause for a little bit and then they might even have to start uh, cutting cutting rates again. I don't know how much higher they can get before they expose the rest of these banks. And, you know, all the banks are going to be in a similar kind of situation. They're all going to have some of this, uh, you know, this really low yielding debt on their books. So I think maybe they thought that they could outlast uh, Jerome Powell and uh, they <laughs> lost right, so that bet too. I have a different, okay, bank runs to a certain extent, they don't really make sense to me. So I understand bank only, let's say has 10% of what is the, the money that is supposedly at a bank. They probably only have 10% of it. And more often than not, no one, no one's showing up asking for all their cash. Right. Now, let's just say as a theoretical, everyone actually did show up and say, hey, I want my cash. You got to run in the bank. They find out, oh, we don't actually have all that money. And then they got to close the doors. To me, though, that bank is now not like it's not bankrupt. It's just we can't pay. you. It's like I don't know if I went to my friend who I lent money to and he doesn't have that money for me. I'm going to extend the terms of the loan. I'm not going to write the loan at zero. If after six months, two years, three years, I figure out, I run through all my capacity for collection and it doesn't happen, that's when I go, okay, I'm writing this off. This didn't happen, right? So I would think if I show up my bank tomorrow and they go, hey, we can't get your money, so I'm going to panic, but 
they're going to collect payments off their mortgages, off their this, off their that. It's not like that money doesn't exist anymore. I would think if anything, they turn to you and you go, hey, listen, this is what we expect to be coming in this week. Who really needs their money now? We'll give you higher interest rates if you give me more time. Like, it's not really a defunct business. Yeah, it's kind of weird because, yeah, if everybody would just calm down and not to try to pull their money out, um, they might have been able to get through this. But yeah, it's like a human nature thing. I guess people panic. Well, and but, because a lot of what I'm saying, there's actually something stupid to going, okay, it, it, this is a dumb game where banks are essentially insolvent. But as long as nobody shows up and asks for their money and then formally goes, oh, the money's not here, then it gets to continue. But if everyone shows up and asks for their money and the money's not there, then we go, oh, this is now at an act. Like, in other words, we all yeah. understand the bank doesn't actually have the money. But this <laughs> is a dumb game because if everyone actually shows up and asks for it, and then we know for sure that they don't have the money, then we have to close the bank. The bank was in the same situation in either way. So it, it almost makes, it's almost dumb to me to just go, all right, bank is closed now because everyone asked for their money. No, all the money's here. You just can't have it right now. Here's a payout schedule. Well, I mean, they did take huge losses, though, selling a lot of those securities to try to get capital. I mean, they were their balance sheet, I think, was negative almost a billion dollars at, at close of business on Thursday. Um, but that's because- negative a billion dollars in a bank that's supposed to have two hundred and thirty billion dollars in it. So that means every single person that deposited money is lo- what's one over two hundred and thirty. They're all losing a million. I, I mean, I'm not even doing the math, but I'm just saying it, it's not like, you know what I mean? It's not like they've all lost 100% of their deposits. They probably lost 1%. Right. Yeah. Well, and people, they did manage to pull out about $42 billion in cash right. from this place over like a, a day and a half or something, which is pretty, you know, that's pretty impressive. But yeah, I mean, I'm just saying like in general for like a bank could have uh, could be like insolvent and never be able to get back all of the money to pay back its customers if they lose enough money on these, uh, you know, buying bad securities or something like that. Okay, stated a little bit differently. Let's say you go banks insolvent. We're shutting down the bank. Right. And now Mm -hmm. everyone loses their money. Well, then people still have to pay their mortgages. People, so what ends up happening is like the vultures come in, they end up buying the mortgages for, it's like everyone gets screwed. Like everyone ends up making money off of the depositors. There would probably be a better system where you're like banks still open, but here's your payout schedule. And here's a, and here's a return on your money. If you're willing to give us more time to pay you back. Yeah. You know, that, that, that could be a. That could be something. I mean, we kind of have that, except that it's the government stepping right. in and be like, yeah, we're going to make you whole and right. they're going to take money from other people. <laughs> I had one other thought. Uh, just uh, in, I, I was thinking about that amongst all the things that banks have a monopoly on, this is one that we don't think about and I thought was very interesting, is that banks kind of have the exclusive right at the moment. I know that there's Bitcoin and this might even be an argument for Bitcoin. But they kind of have the exclusive right to digitalize your money. So, for example, if I'm like a private equity person, I want to get $250 million to somebody else. The cost of renting a secure airplane to try and transfer $250 million and insure that airplane, that's insane. And then that guy wouldn't want the cash. So I kind of have to go through the banking system because there's really no other way that I could just send you a... 
other than Bitcoin, I could convert it to Bitcoin and then Bitcoin's a perfect record, but you got the transaction risk of that the currency fluctuates, right? Mm -hmm. But like I can go to a bank and go, I'm putting the $250 million in my account and now I want you to go fund that to that guy's account. It's almost like a weird function of banks that were stuck with that they have the exclusive right to essentially because they don't have the cash on hand. Like even when I write a check, they have the exclusive ability to basically transfer money from one person to another person. It's almost weird that we allow them the ability to do that because it's not really a function that I need a bank for. <laughs> yeah, I, I I see what you're saying, I guess. Um, it's like we're all stuck interfacing with a bank because how else do I transfer my money to you? It's just a number, right? It's it's literally just a number. I this is where you start getting an argument either for using crypto or a central bank central bank digital currency. And I I almost think that there is a little bit of an argument when it comes to the financial sector that it's so socialized. It's like why do we allow private people to even profit off of it? And then I guess you can make the argument that with or the argument is that at least there's some of the functions of capitalism based off the fact that it's not fully socialized. Like you, you look at the Federal Reserve. Like, why are random individuals able to profit off that? It might as well just be socialized in everything. The, the profits got returned to us. But then you realize once it gets fully socialized, it's even more corrupt. And you're going to have more market failures than in this system where at least the a little bit that people are able to profit. Maybe key, I, I don't even know. Are we better with the with the half socialized system where random individuals can profit off of the banking sector just being fully socialized? Um, I, I don't think, um, I, I think free markets are best when they're as, as, as pure as possible. When you start doing half in half out kind right. of things, you create a lot of, of situations with moral hazard and, and just problems that are hard to foresee that, um, that, that don't really have a good solution to them. And, and they can cause a lot more problems than if you were to just let the market kind of do its thing. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, the Federal Reserve, they do have to return a certain percentage of their like they're only allowed to make so much money and then they have to return the rest to the Treasury. Right. So that's that's why they fucking spend money like crazy. Like if you ever go to the Federal Reserve, oh, buildings, like they don't want any they shit. don't want money going to the Treasury. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like like let's say we get to keep like 200 million this year. So anything, you know, anything over that, it's just like, they're throwing parties, they're buying dinners, they're redoing their fucking offices. Really? Oh yeah, dude. Go to check out the federal reserve building. The whole, it's like the nicest building in DC. It's all like fucking marble oh, and that's, shit. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, okay. I think, uh, that probably covers everything in regards to SVB. Did you have the story on the other, uh, bank, the one that just failed in New York? Which oddly enough, the guy from Dodd Frank was worked there. Oh, uh, which uh, Barney Frank. Frank? Yeah, Barney Frank is at that yeah. bank, and Barney Frank was like, "Yeah, it's because uh, he's like our bank was fine. They just seized it from us to punish cryptos." I have no, you know, I have no idea because this just happened. Uh, was it last night or? I think it was over the weekend. I think it happened on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't really been following that. So I just saw that they had taken over that bank as well. And it seemed like kind of a weird, a weird um, preemptive precaution or something like that, where it's like, yeah, we're doing SVB. And while we're at it, we're going to take this one. 
Right, which also just seems not fair. It's like you just you got to be Chase Bank. That's kind of the story here. Well, that and that's what's you know basically what all this is going to lead to. Um, there have there were a bunch of like smaller runs on um, you know mid-sized banks today. Even Charles Schwab, uh, they had to halt trading, I think, on that stock because it was getting hammered. But yeah, like these these smaller banks are all gonna. It's already hard enough for them to stay in business with all of the Dodd Frank regulations. Uh, it's it's far more expensive than it needs to be to 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 operate and things like that. So what you got after the whole too big to fail 2008 2009 financial crisis was a bunch of bigger uh, consolidated banks. You know we have what do we have like five big banks now or something like that, and and this is gonna just exacerbate that problem. Um, the more the more regulation you have, the uh, the higher the the cost to uh, for entry and things like that. Um, all of these little banks are just they're going to go by the wayside. And, and you know, J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, um, those are probably your best bets. Uh, not to say that their balance sheet isn't as bad as SVB; they, it could be, but the, you know, they're the ones that that have the the support of the Fed and the the federal government and. They're they're the ones that eat all of these fucking shit sandwiches when they want to do all these bailouts. So the government kind of owes them a favor. All right. So last thing I was just thinking about is to me, we're in a new place where uh, bailouts are very unpopular. So they have to do everything they can to say that something is not a bailout. Right. I know. So just to kind of recap the bailouts that we've seen since 2008. So in 2008, they straight up, they stepped in. Why don't we give the recap? Let's start because 2008 led to quantitative easing, but the first move wasn't even quantitative easing. They basically bought all the distressed, the distressed debt, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think they call it, it was the TARP program, troubled asset relief program where they were just buying all of this shit from, from all these banks. To take it off the bank's balance sheets. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that was about a trillion dollars. I think it was like nine hundred and some odd billion. I think when all was said and done, which is like a rounding error for our government right. now. It's crazy. Okay. So first we have the bailouts. You got all these bad loans that were made, and they just take it off the balance sheets. Then from there we go into quantitative easing, mm-hmm. which is, I don't, I I know that quantitative easing put a lot of money into the market. And that it was essentially the government buying bonds, but I don't fully understand it. Yeah, it, well, th- that's exactly. So it was the Federal Reserve was buying, I think, if I remember correctly, at least QE one. It was like forty billion a month of Treasury bonds, and then forty billion of mortgage-backed securities. So every month they were buying a certain amount, and that yeah. So they they took the the securities into the the Federal Reserve balance sheet now, which I think is like, I don't know, nine trillion dollars or something crazy. Right. Um. And then, yeah, they flooded the market with all that cash, and which okay. is why you saw like stocks just go on like the, the most incredible bull run in history. Which is in part because there was very low interest rates and companies were actually borrowing money and buying back their own stocks, which was that propping too. up stock prices, propping up dividends. And then, of course, if you're the CEO of a company and you can boost the stock in the years you're there, you're making some money. Yeah, you're getting a nice bonus. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it, it complete. They've completely perverted the the, the market. They're, they're, all the incentives are wrong. So let's say we've had we had Fed money all the way up until, I don't know when would you say QE four stopped, even though only even though I think technically it was just QE one and QE two, but then you yeah. had the low interest rates in. No, and wasn't the Fed still directly buying bonds? Um, 
I got to do my yeah. homework. Uh, up and yeah, they were. Um, I forget when they stopped. Might have been. I think they labeled it QE three. I don't think they ever called it QE four. Um, okay. There was like Operation Twist when they right. tried to swap out the, the you know the kind of like what this bank was doing SVB where they swapped out the 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 um, low interest debt for the higher interest debt. Um, and then and then we had. I remember this was prior to uh, COVID. We had they stepped into the repo markets. And from what I understand of them stepping into the repo markets was essentially banks don't have enough capital on hand to even meet their 10% margin requirements. They would loan money to each other overnight. Yeah. The, um, the interest rate on lending money to each other overnight got so high, the Fed was like, well, this distorts the signals of how much money is actually available in the market. Because obviously if a bank lending money to another bank for one night is going to charge that bank 8%. Think about what the actual price of money should be. Think about what yeah. the actual interest rate, if I'm going to lend you money, not just for like a bank is a pretty secure person to lend money to. So if I'm going to lend someone money for their house, if I'm lending money to a bank for one night at 8%, think about what I need to charge a guy for his house, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, I, so, and that was so, that was just after, uh, if you remember, they tried to raise rates uh, when Donald Trump was president. Right. And they, they could I'm only low get interest to, rate gay. Yeah. And he hated it, of course. Yeah. Um, but they were only able to get a, a couple rate hikes in there before they had to completely come, come back that. down. Okay. So that was another bailout. And not only did they do that, they also had that thing with the special special purpose vehicles where they bailed out, they weren't allowed to buy junk bonds. And then they ended up buying a lot of junk bonds to basically bail out BlackRock. I don't remember the specifics on that bailout. Do you remember that one? Yeah, no, not not particularly. They really snuck that one in there. Okay. All <laughs> of that then leads to, at the beginning of COVID, when they started sending all of us money, they spent an astron- They sent a wild amount of money to the banks. And the reason why I think they sent everyone checks was basically they couldn't be in, in another... They couldn't do another bank bailout and justify that to the American public. So they sent everyone checks. They got to give you a little something too. Yeah. I, to this day, have no understanding. I don't even remember what the dollar amounts were that were basically sent to the banks. And I don't know what that money went to. I feel like that was like a secret bailout that just snuck under the entire news's radar because there was so much conversation about COVID and, you know, PP loans and just that everyone was getting money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also the airline industries, uh, they right. all got bailouts, um, the, the cruise lines. <laughs> and you got to re- remember that all of the money getting put into the system also all ends up at the banks. So even like if the banks got zero bailout whatsoever, but you're handing free money to every individual and in every company yeah, then in the country, the that should help banks balance sheets because they should have enough reserves on hand, especially if they're not going to start initiating new loans. Do you have any like um, do you have any understanding? Because I'm going to have to do some homework on this of the last bailout, which is what I would say when they did all the PPE loans and they gave a ton of money to the banks. What happened there? Um, Not I. you know, I just know that the number was huge. It was like they, they allocated something like four trillion dollars for the covid relief. Right. And they they haven't spent all of it yet. So I know at the when they were having the debt ceiling debate like a month or so ago, the one of the Republicans uh, talking 
point things was like, oh, let's let's use some of the they still had like 500 billion left or something in covid relief funds that they wanted to get they wanted to put towards the the debt ceiling thing. But yeah, I don't remember how much the banks got or what they did with it other than yeah, pay themselves astronomical bonuses, buy back a lot of their stocks. Um, pretty much the same shit that they've been doing. Right. And then they had this scheme, which I guess uh, SVB wasn't working, but they got all this free money from the Fed that they then parked back at the Fed in the reverse repo and then just made the money off of that, which now brings us to the newest bailout, which is that banks stupidly or forcibly uh, were engaging in low interest, uh, buying long term denominated low interest debt. Uh, in a low interest rate environment, and now they got to mark all that shit down. So the Fed's just like, you know what? We'll make it so you don't have to mark anything down. Yeah, we'll give you face value for it, which is like, it's just so ridiculous. First of all, and then there, I don't know where they're gonna get all the money to do this. I mean, the the FDIC, the last numbers I saw was like they have 125 billion dollars, and they've pledged 25 billion of that to to shore up this this problem that they're having that's nowhere near enough to to shore up all these banks uh, so they're going to have to they're going to have to print this money or they're going to ironically what's going to happen is they're going to have to sell bonds the treasury is going to have to sell more bonds to get money to give to the fdic to give to all these banks and them selling these bonds is going to put downward pressure on all the bond prices that are on the the books of all these banks so it's going to put them you know if they weren't insolvent <laughs> according to their you know the, their balance sheet they're probably going to be if they have to keep selling more and more bonds to to fund uh all of these failed banks it's it's just going to be this you know this downward spiral that sort of feeds off of itself all right so uh i'm going to take a couple uh comments we got all sorts of comments here. People Where do you been... see the comments? I don't. Do I, oh, do I have to click on the tab? Am I that? Yeah, you stupid? can click on the comments tab. I'll start pulling them up on screen. But before we do, oh my god, I'm such an idiot. I'm like, I never see comments on here. I should keep yeah. them down because I get distracted with them. Um, all right, let's plug sheathunderwear.com. Greatest underwear to ever grace the balls of man. You use promo code RYM. You get yourself twenty percent off. Johnny, have you ever tried yourself the sheets? It is. Yeah, I got a couple pairs uh, this past yeah. Christmas. Yeah. And it, I mean, it is, it is nice. There it you is go. very nice. Yeah. Next Chicago trip, I'll bring you some sheets. All worn, right. worn sheets, though. I wear them in I don't for think you, I'll you know? be there. Oh, I don't know really? Where the hell I'll be. Oh, because you're, you're out of Milwaukee. I, I'm in Milwaukee right now, but yeah, I, I'm, as of uh, the 20th, I'll be officially homeless. There you go. So what are you going to do? Just wander the earth? <laughs> well, the plan was to go back to Mexico, but I don't know if I'm welcome. So yeah, <laughs> there you I go. find something else to do. <laughs> Um, but I can go anywhere. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. So sheathunderwear.com, been a loyal sponsor of the show. Underwear's terrific. Step up your underwear game. Summer months are coming. You don't want to be getting all sweaty. Johnny, tell them how good it is for the sweaty hot balls weather. You're in Mexico. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. Although I I it was winter time in Mexico, so it was still like 75, 80 degrees. Oh, it's uh, a little little chilly for me. 80. Yeah. A little yeah. nippy. But yeah, well, now yeah, you're back no, in it, fucking Milwaukee, dude. It is definitely a moisture wicking um, fabric. Very, very comfortable. That's there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I got my weekly Wednesday show at Cafe Bohemia, 8 p.m. Throwing up my friends, working on news jokes. I'm going to be at Steamboat at the end of this month on the 25th doing Kyle Ruff's show. Uh, and then a bunch of tour dates with Dave Smith. You can find a comic Dave Smith. Johnny, what do you got to plug? 
Uh, just the podcast, Peddling Fiction. I talk about, uh, you know, politics, current events, and economics from a libertarian's uh, point of view. And I also do a sub stack, uh, usually once or twice a week. I'll, I'll put out an article in there and then some other uh, rants. I'll, I'll do like a quick rant or something on whatever is bothering me that week. What's the uh, the sub stack? Also, Peddling Fiction? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just Peddling Fiction sub stack, dot sub stack or whatever. Oh, yeah. Know that. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. Check out uh, Johnny in writing. Okay, this is from Lauren A. After a year of living my 10-year salary career, I was finally making almost double a month and I had a consistent paycheck. Etsy hasn't said shit regarding this issue to their sellers. Uh, the Etsy sales are upwards towards 100K. Can you please ask what options people like us have if funds are withheld? So this lady's been selling dumb shit on Etsy and actually making money doing so. So God bless. That's yeah. capitalism at its finest. And now they're withholding her money. How did she get her money back? I have no idea. I, I, I don't know. I don't know much about Etsy. Wait, so do you have an account at Etsy with the money or you ha you have like a Stripe account or something that you're um, that you're taking the payments through? I don't know. That's all the information she gave us. Yeah. Moving on. The Cook Club. I just posted a pretty good meme about this on my Instagram. All right. Good to know. Anything goes. Meet me at the Mountain Goat Farm. You know the Mountain <laughs> Goat Farm? Is that something out in your area? I don't know, but I'm into it. Yeah. <laughs> Bullets, beans, and bandages. It's time. To, all right. That's not bad. Let's take one more, and then we can call it an episode. I'm uh, going up, going up. When will you get James Corbett on your show? I've heard that name before. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Sounds yeah, familiar. Yeah, make an introduction. I'll have him on. I'm not against James Corbett. Have you heard me on the podcast shitting on James Corbett? All right. Wait, wait, wait. Lauren A., it's an Etsy star seller account. We're not experts in Etsy. Do you think uh, we know everything in the world of dumb trinkets that people sell online? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Lauren. That's tough if they're they're holding on to 100K. Just go I find them. Just go find them and ask for your money. Johnny <laughs> And Johnny can get you in touch with five Mexican men who are very threatening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, hopefully I never see them again, but... <laughs> They do. I'll send them. Yeah, I'll send them after. After watch, your 100K. You, watch you move into your next house day one. You get the key, open the door, and all five of them are sitting on the couch. They're like, Johnny, Johnny, didn't we tell yeah. you to not to say anything? Right. I, I didn't, man. I ain't saying nothing. But yeah, they do know my Chicago address because they took a picture of my ID. That's scary. Yeah, but I was talking to this one guy while I was sitting there for like five hours, and he was asking me if I had like guns and stuff. I was like, Oh yeah. Like this would have been a much different, uh, this would have gone over a lot differently if you bust into my place. In the, uh, yeah. So, uh, where are you considering as your next, uh, home base? Just right out the basement. Your parents throwing you out. <sighs> Dude, I, I can't stand. I'm freezing, man. I don't like this weather. Well, you're already I'm coming up on not... summer. You might as well wait till like October. Just save all that rent money. Dude, you, you don't know my parents, man. I was here for like two days last you're already, week. <laughs> oh, and you're already funny. losing your mind. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I got, I brought him a, like a TV, you know, what my okay. TV, which is like relatively new compared to the one that they had that was like 10 years old. I'm trying to teach my mom how to use like a smart TV. And it was just, <laughs> oh my God. I, yeah, it's, it's torture, man. <laughs> All right. We did it, my friend. Until next time. Hopefully you'll be allowed back in the country of Mexico. Yeah, hopefully I'll be alive. Yeah.
Um, and if not, come out uh, for one of the summer porch tour dates. When are, what's, what's your pod. Chicago date again? Um, April something? That's a great question. I think it's either April or May. It's coming up. I think it's April. I think it's the end of April. I'm back in Chicago. Um, hopefully I have some new jokes from last year. I don't remember what I was doing. <laughs> and uh, this time we're going to be at Zany's. Okay. Yeah, I know Zany's. I don't, I don't know if I'll be around for that, but if I am. Yeah, hit me up. I think this time they might actually give me a hotel room so you can crash with me instead of me crashing with you. <laughs> yeah, because my couch is gone. <laughs> yeah, you saved me on that one. I, that would have been a money loser if, uh, if you hadn't hooked it up. No problem, man. I had a great time. Yeah. All right. Later, dude. Been a pleasure. We're going to end the stream. Shout out 